This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 352. And the quote of the day is from A.R. Rahman, who said, Music is all about transporting people, speaking a language which languages fail to express. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. Hello, hello, hello. This is Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope you're well. And you can find all of these on your favorite apps. You can find this on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that fun stuff. Also at drummersresource.com. While you're at drummersresource.com, you can sign up for the mailing list. I'll send you an ebook called Stick Control Variations, and uh, it'll help you improve your chops, your independence, your speed. It's 11 creative exercises that you can use with the book Stick Control, and I'll send it to you free to sign up for the mailing list while you're there. And you'll also get a Monday and a Friday email, so you can be in the know about new episodes that are coming out and all that fun stuff. And if you haven't already, I appreciate ratings and reviews. That lets us know how we're doing, lets me know how the podcast is going. If you're digging it, if you're not, you can do that on iTunes. It takes a minute, and I'd appreciate a five-star review. But if you want to leave a one-star review and tell me that it sucks, you can do that too. So I hope not, but uh, hey, you know, the truth will set you free. So All right, so who do we have today? We got my man, Jeremy Haynes, and Jeremy is a stud. Let me tell you, the dude has been on the scene for years. He's a fantastic drummer. He's also, he's a five-time Grammy Award winner, 80-time Stellar Award winner, American Music Award winner, four-time Dove Award winning musician. He's played on three major motion picture soundtracks and over 150 recordings. He's toured the world with top artists and been a part of some incredible movements and projects. He's also played with Marvin Sapp. He's played with Kirk Franklin. I mean, the dude has done it all. And this conversation, I actually, I got introduced to him through Jerry Energy, who I had on the on the podcast. And he was like, you got to talk to Jeremy. I talked to Jeremy and my mind was just blown. I mean, he has... He has insights. He has nuggets. He has his he uh, he he has his opinions, and which I appreciate. And he's very outspoken about the history of music and and staying true to that kind of stuff and what it means to be a professional, what it means to be a musician, what it means to take people on a musical journey. All of those things and more are discussed in this conversation. It was for me, it was a really inspiring conversation. And also reinforce some of the things that I think about what it means to be a player, what it means to be a professional, and and honoring some of that tradition as a drummer. So without further ado, let's get into it with the one and only Jeremy Haynes. You know, it was interesting. Steve Gadd was saying uh, all the all the records that he's recorded. You know, he's like, we've done 10, you know, we'll do 10, 12, 15 takes. And it's normally the first take that's the best. Yes, you know. yes, yes, yes. Because it's the one that you you feel most confident with because it's fresh. You should probably just finish listening to what you are getting ready to play. Mm-hmm. You've been studying the music for so long, so you've already kind of pre-programmed in your mind what you're going to play. It's when you play it the third and the fourth time when you start realizing, okay, either it's either one or two things. Either I'm playing too much or I need to change something right right here at this spot. Right, right. And you're never satisfied until the music comes out. And mm-hmm. even when it comes out, you're even still not satisfied. And, so. uh, you know, I think a lot of times you get these, you start listening and then you go in with an agenda, you know, and you're like, oh, I got to do this with, thing. I got to yeah. change this. I got to, and then it's like, yeah. you're losing the essence yeah. of what, 
of what's uh yeah especially yeah. when it's not your record that's that's usually the hardest part because you never know what the artist is going to like in the moment right you know right and and when you're recording with other people it's really a catch-22 because now everybody else is trying to pay attention to what's happening either whether you're reading or if it's just kind of just a retainment kind of session mm -hmm. everybody's trying to pay attention to what each other's playing and it's hard to do because you don't want to be the weakest link you don't want to miss anything right. so it sometimes takes certain people you know and i think we've all at some point have been subjected to recutting and recutting and recutting you know but at some point you just have to live with what's there if everybody yeah. in the room likes it you have to be willing to say okay if you guys are if the boss is okay with it then I'm okay. With then it. everybody else has to be, man, yeah, we're getting, yeah, yeah. we just, we just started and we're getting deep, man. I didn't even, I didn't even say hello to, <laughs> I didn't even introduce you. So we're, this is the drummers resource podcast. We're talking to Jeremy Haynes now. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for, for doing this. Uh, I, I do appreciate it. And I want to, I want to build before we get, before we keep getting deep, because I have a feeling you and I are going to get deep. Uh, I want to, I want to build a little bit of backstory and some context of a little bit about okay. you, your backstory, who you are, what you do, um, you know, where you come from, all that. Um, okay. so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Jeremy Haynes. Um, I, oh, I can't tell my age. I was getting ready to tell my age. Wow. That's not No, smart. we don't do, we don't um, do that kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, I, I think I'm what are you about? You're about twenty twenty three. <laughs> I'm 24. a native. I'm a. <laughs> I'm a native in, from St. Louis. Um, grew up in St. Louis, playing around. Um, of course, everybody grows up in church, playing. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a very musical family. Both sides, my mother and my father's family, were uh, kind of city renowned for being great musicians, singers, players. Uh, they played instruments and they played organ and they sang, directed the choir, wrote music. You know, that whole thing, the normal kind of, you know, black culture, young drummer. Story. And I'm guessing you started um, playing when you were two. Man, exactly when I started playing. Man, I'm so now, jealous. I, well, let me just say this. I started playing when I was two in a discovery mode of just liking what I want to do. So mm -hmm. my father was a drummer, so watching him play inspired me to, you know, even at that young age, every kid wants to bang on something that's loud and you see what it is. And, and then he would just, of course, put me on his lap and he would just say, okay, I'll play down here. You play up there. And for some reason, he noticed this natural instinct that I had and he nurtured it. So every once in a while, when we become the church or choir rehearsals or anywhere, even at home, he would, we would do that same kind of thing. He would put me on his lap we would play. Um, and then after a while, it started becoming this thing where, you know, two years later, now I'm playing for the youth choir. Now I'm playing for the big choir at four and five years old. So it was this natural kind of very unrehearsed kind of gift that I believe, you know, came from God. But at the same time, although with the gifts, it, we still have to be responsible and take responsibility. So being a young man, I didn't know what responsibility was. So my father and my mother nurtured it. Mm -hmm. um, never had lessons when I was growing up because who needs lessons when you have a house full of musicians, right? uncles and aunts. So the lessons became more about the discipline than it did about the information because most people don't get to experience the, uh, the responsibility of discipline in church because 
most people don't grow up in church. You know, right. most people grow up just gifted. Then you go off to school and then you maybe learn discipline at school based on the type of school you go to. So church in its own becomes its own kind of Berkeley, if you will, or mm-hmm. uh, Atlanta Institute of Music, because you learn so much instinctive things right. that has to do with paying attention, knowing the music, um, not overplaying. Of course, and as a young as a young gun, I mean, you don't you don't even think about if I'm overplaying. You're like, yo, I want to have fun. So there were some times in my having fun, I got <laughs> checked or pulled my coattail pulled to say, okay, you know, kind of calm down, right. relax, you know, bring it back a little bit. Right. They recognized that if they told me to stop, it would probably kind of stunt my growth. Mm-hmm. So school immediately became an agenda every time that I played, which I'm grateful for because it caused me to learn more about music than it did about drums. Right, right, right. So, such, such you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Because a lot of times we get we get lost in the physical part of what we're playing and we forget that there's still notes and emotion and, and color involved. Mm-hmm. So um, growing up, I was uh, fortunate and blessed enough to, because I grew up in a family full of musicians, they taught me how to play my role, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be from learning how to master the rim shot at a young age and not just playing a rim shot, just not just turning the butt of the stick over and getting a click out of it. No, really, I need to hear a real clean rim. Like my uncles used to drill me on playing rim shot and which symbol to hit. Don't just hit the big symbol because it's a big symbol. You know, make sure you're hitting the smaller symbol because that's the crash and the bigger symbol is the ride and you have the hi-hats. This is your floor time. So I learned at a young age what all the institute of the actual setup was, all the personalities the the distinction the this does that and this does this so mm-hmm. at a young age I, I really kind of learned and of course by listening and not wanting to get my a noogie or uh you know punched in my arm by my <laughs> uncles um you know after a while <laughs> after a while those things begin to hurt and they kind of yeah. imprint your mind <laughs> and you say oh maybe so, i shouldn't do this anymore every time yeah, i do this i get I punched <laughs> man so, but I'd rather have them punching me in my arm than embarrassing me in front of a bunch of people. Of course, you know what I'm saying. Of course, is that tough uh, love? So, yeah, it's tough love. And and then again, it's 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 a form of nurturing when you really recognize something in someone that can be something really special. And mm-hmm. I think with me, and I can tell my age, with me being 45 now, I mentor a lot of people. Like I'm a I am a a music mentor at one of the uh, music high schools here in Atlanta, Georgia, and this over, you know, two, 300 kids. So you get all these questions all the time about identity, about what to and how to, and when did you do this? And what happened right here when you had this come up against you? And so you, you really have to almost forget about being very private and be very transparent because your transparency really could inspire someone, you know, to really become something great. And then you look up later and you have to almost take ownership and being a part of that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, there's a lot of people in my life that legitimately can say, Oh yeah. I remember when we had this conversation. I remember when I sat him down and we had this talk and I showed him this, I've been really, 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 really blessed in the moment to really receive some really incredible information from some incredible musicians, no names as well as big names. So I'm honored, man, to be who I am today. There's an interesting fact that you pointed out that 
being in church is, you know, for you, you were saying it's like being, it was like being in school, being in college. And what I've noticed is that most of my friends who are white, who started playing drums started Mm -hmm. when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. And most of my friends who are black, who started playing drums in church started at two, three years old. And by the time, (laughs) and check this out though, by the time you are going off to college, you've been playing drums for 16 years and 16 every years. and everybody else has been playing drums for three. Yeah. You know, it's such, but, an, you, but you know, the, the opposite side of that, the flip side of that, which I, I believe, I believe this generation coming up is I'm watching them kind of experience a little bit um, on the, in your, to add to your story, I had friends who were white friends and they had drums in their living rooms. Uh-huh. I didn't have a drum set in my living room. Right, right, like, right. In order for me to play, I had to go to church. And that was maybe two or three times a week. But my friends, like I could go over to my friend's house and, and one of my friends just really just could not play. But he loved drums. So he would, his drums would be set up and I would go over to his house and I would play. And he would just be like, man, what, where's all this coming from? Like, how are you playing like this? And we would just shed and we would do things like that. But the advantage, the disadvantage of that is when I go off to college, there's a culture shock musically that in some cases I didn't get to experience. Like I could tell you my own story. Even when I was in junior high or high school or mm-hmm. even like grade school, you know, that's when band really used to be popular. You, you were in a band, you played an instrument, you, it was a part of a curriculum. Right. So they would not let me play drums in band. They wanted really? me to, they gave me, they put a horn in my hand. Yeah. They put a trumpet in my hand. Why wouldn't they let you play drums? Because they heard me play and they said, well, I don't think this would be beneficial for you because you already <laughs> know how to play. They're like, Do you, you don't need to learn how to that? play drums. Get out of here. No, you don't need to learn the theory and you don't need to learn because this, and, and again, unfortunately we were living in a time where if you were really gifted and talented over the white kid, okay, we're going to kind of pull you back a little bit because we really kind of want the kid with the information to kind of shine because he really doesn't have natural instinct like you had. So, I mean, I couldn't really look at it as a racist thing or anything like that. It just seemed really kind of weird. Right. But they, what they did was they did me a favor. They taught me how to read music mm. as a musician that's not playing drums. So, Which you would have never trumpet, done as a drummer, do you think? I would have. Exa- well, I would have, but I would have probably learned more mechanics versus melody. Right. Because learning melody formed how I play to this day. You know, most people say, you know, when Haynes plays, there's this magical, colorful, like he paints, he's a painter. So because I play from this music, like I think like a keyboard player, if that makes any sense. I I don't really think like rhythm. I think melody, my drums are tuned a certain way. I'm really specific about what type of symbols I use because there's this emotional journey that I want each person that's listening to be able to immediately understand without even knowing the song. Let's talk about that. Because of the melody. Let's talk about melody. Okay. uh, Because I think think that it's such an important distinction between mechanics and and melody. And the... And getting to... I mean, I think practicing melody is a hard thing to to do. And I think it's a hard thing to hear. So what's your... Well, it's not a hard thing. It's a boring thing. (laughs) Well... Yeah, there's a difference because even when I teach, I I have these I have this um, routine, this uh, routine for accuracy around the drum set that I do with my students and they are bored 
to death with it. It's like first time, second time, third time, second time, third time, second time, third time, second time. And you repeat that. As, and then we speed up. And then sometimes, in some cases, I have you do the hi-hat and your, and your foot at the same time, playing the two, playing the highest, playing uh, the two and the four, and the foot playing the one and the three. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, but it's like, they're bored to death with that. But what they don't understand is, is when you now try to do single stroke rows around the drum set, it's a breeze. Yeah. Because it deals with accuracy. Because most drummers, well, most drummers nowadays do play with accuracy. You know, we can't really say what most drummers don't do anymore because there's a world just full of incredible young drummers and yeah. old drummers and vets. And so everybody can actually play now. You know what I'm saying? But the form of the melody versus information, melody is boring because it challenges you to listen to something that you're not playing. Mm. Like melody is not inside of drums when you're learning music. Right. When you're learning music, you're really kind of just figuring out time, time signatures, what you're going to play, boom, clack, boom, boom, clack, versus thinking about what the piano player is playing, like what the main violinist is playing or listening to a moment in bar 68 where the cello chimes in. He crescendos in. He don't just come in. He crescendos into this kind of melodic kind of emotion then he fades back out so you have to think about that when you're when you're playing drums because especially with very melodic players melodic players are always searching for the left of the right always because Mm -hmm. the right way to play is traditional standard manuscript you play by the rules but the left side lends more of a personal interpretation so when you listen to melody and you're, and you're playing, like for me, when I'm having to learn songs or people call me and ask me to track stuff or learn music for either for church or for a tour or for a concert, I never hear what the drummer's doing. And always, even in my band rehearsals, never. Even in my band rehearsals, I tell my guys, we have to listen to music for Sunday or for whatever. Like, learn the music. Don't learn what those guys played. Learn the music. Because when you learn the music, now you get to be you. Right. I don't want to hear the other guy's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to. I want to hear what you have to say about it. Now, this is this is where discipline trumps just anarchy. If you understand that, if I learn this music and I get to play it my way, the person that's singing it, the choir that's singing it, the people that are hearing it, still needs to be able to understand it. So your discipline has to kick in, and you have to be the guy that says, "Okay, let me do a fifty-fifty kind of thing." I'm going to pay homage and respect to the originator of how the song goes melodically. But every once in a while, I'm going to put a bit of me in it. Mm -hmm. And you end up having this great journey that allows you to not feel like you're handcuffed. You know what I'm saying? It's a difference between being handcuffed with your hands behind your back or being handcuffed to a bed. At least one hand is free. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like Like if somebody wants to handcuff you so you don't have, you still can like text and everything but one hand is still handcuffed. You still don't, you don't feel as conflicted. Yeah. So you have to, we have to, and I, when I teach, I teach metaphorically all the time. If you can't tell, I talk very metaphorically because I have a degree in psychology. So because of that, music is very metaphoric to me. It's very like, what if, 
Of course, it has its standard, and we all in our discipline learn the standard of what music is. But music should look like a rainbow to us. It should never look just look like a storm. Right. You know right, what right. I'm saying? It should never be gray because it's so, even in a simple 2 4 groove, like listening to some Steely Dan or, or some Earth, Wind, and Fire, no matter what, the grooves were always still 2 4. Always, you know, boom, clack. Boom, clack. Ricky Lawson is the king of just a standard walking groove. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he played it while, Mike, while Michael Jackson danced for 15 minutes straight. He played do that, do that, do that, do that. 15 minutes straight, bro. Yeah. So that takes some discipline. Yes, it you does. You have to want to do that. You have and to, to make it feel good. And to make Mike not have to stop and go, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? What is that Tom you put in there? Of? I right. didn't tell you to hit a crash. It's right. like, no, this is what I'm paid to do. And it goes, and then at some point it goes beyond you saying, oh, this is what I'm getting paid to do. No, you start saying, I love being able to do just this. Right. Serving the music. Serving the music. And, and because you got to remember, I always tell people, no one pats their foot to solos. No one. Yeah. No one. Yep. They pat their foot. If you you hit that groove and you establish that groove, and I really want to talk about establishing the groove too, because that's a discrepancy about what groove is and pocket is. So let's let, we'll come back to that. That's but, that, and that's my my favorite topic. So we're definitely going to get into that. Um, well, let's get into it. Right well, now. I, I want to ask. I got to ask one question um, about about melody, about learning melody, okay. about establishing melody. So say I come to you and I'm like, Jeremy, listen, man, I'm a I'm a decent player, uh, but you know, or whatever. Maybe maybe you know the person's not a decent player, but they they want to learn or i want to learn whoever you know wants to learn how to play more melodically how do i go into the practice room and learn how to play melodically so i don't just sound like like um uh ralph uh peterson said you know the more music you know the more musically you play and if you don't know music then you're reduced to mathematics and velocity yes and let me tell you something that name right there that I don't, I don't think in this time that there is an even more informative, brilliant drummer on earth right now. He's I think he is amazing. The epitome of information. Jeez. I am blown I, away by that guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. I can sit and watch videos after videos after videos of Ralph Peterson. He is, <laughs> I, I, I want to be like that when I'm 60. Right. To be just information guy like that and can sit down and translate anything and not make you feel, you know, stupid about what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like he's really mastered that. He gets so much respect for him. If he ever hears this on a whim, much respect to you, Mr. Ralph Peters, and I am a huge fan. Okay, so I would, what I always do with my students is I, I always make them pick three of their favorite songs, no matter what artist it is, no matter. And I always tell them it can't, don't always just pick hip hop. Right. You know, if it's, if it's a young white student, don't always just pick rock. Right. Don't always just pick. No, that's not music. That's, that's art. That's not music. That's art. But if in your head, that's music. Okay. So I'm going to help you break that down. So you do realize this drummer is using a double pedal. So if you don't own a double pedal, don't listen to that music. Right. Because at this age, you haven't learned how to control your foot. 
everybody is born with a fast foot. Let me just put that out there. Everyone is born with a fast foot. Everyone does not develop their fast foot to control music. Mm. Yeah, everyone is born with the same lens, the same ability. We just do not focus that art. Like I was blessed to have a really fast foot. But at the same time, if I didn't sit at the drums and always doing the if I wasn't doing that all day or sitting at my table in school and doing it on the floor in my sneakers or like I used to do this thing where I used to take this hanger, like a wire hanger, bend it in half put foam on the hanger part and use that as my pedal, put it up against a box and do, and use that as my pedal to practice on just developing. Now I didn't know I was doing development at seven. Right. It was just something really creative for me to do. And it kept me, (laughs) yeah, come on at seven years old. You're not, you're not smart enough to go. Yes. I'm developing my, now these kids nowadays might be, but back then, no man, please. We weren't, we weren't that smart. We were more gifted than smart. Right. But, and to quote a, uh, uh, Ralph Peterson's teacher, um, Michael Carvin, he said, you know, most people have educated hands and uneducated feet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. And I have, I have a friend right now who struggles with that. He says, you know, I can't get my, my, my feet to be, my, and I'm sorry. No, no. First of all, please understand this. Your feet does not tell your mind what to do. Your mind tells your body what to do. So if you want to develop your foot, then what you have to do is you have to spend time in the room. I gave him this rudiment, I, I, this uh, routine that I saw Dave Weckl do one time. And I said, practice this and then practice it to a click. Don't just practice it just randomly, like really train your muscles. Your mind controls your body. If you tell your foot what to do, it will do it. Your, your foot does not get to, to tell you your mind what to do. So back to the m- m- melody thing. So I tell them, pick three songs, come back to your lesson. Let's play those songs. I'll help you dissect those songs. Nine times out of 10, they pick stuff that's really complicated or really simple. So for me, it's like, okay, if you can't sing this song while you're playing, then you don't understand the song. Mm-hmm. Like, I need you to sing this song while you're playing it, which means if you can't sing it, you don't know it. Right. So if you don't know the song, you definitely can't play melody. Yeah, can't, or if you can't, what is it, can't, if you can sing it, you can play it, right? Man, if you can sing it, you can play it. I'm telling you, and, and most people don't realize it, it's really that simple, but it's, it's mind control. And of course, you know, being a psychology major, psychology major, it makes total sense to me how even before I started taking the courses and going to school for it, I didn't realize how much control I actually get to have over my body when I'm playing, when I'm doing anything. Mm-hmm. So I always encourage them to learn the lyrics learn the inflections, whether it's, it's him singing octaves, like I always turn them to really good music like Toto. Like I, I have my students listen to Toto or I have them listening to stuff like uh, Bobby McFerrin, you know, where mm-hmm. you don't hear music, but you have to figure out what the melody is in his voices. Yeah. Like I used to practice to take six records because there was no drums, there was no piano, there was nothing but melody. And I would have to find the timing in melody. So it challenges your time. It challenges your ability to understand the distinction between F and E flat and it moving, it cross moving. 
in its own rhythm in time. So right. it's a bunch of stuff, man, that, that we all, I believe we all could sit in a room and talk about these genius things that we did in our development stage. But at the same time, when you're trying to get a normal kid to understand that playing drums is more than just sitting down and going crazy like Bobby did on the Brady Bunch when he figured out what drums was. Like I had this student, when I started this student now five years old. <clears throat> so I taught him how to play. I, I come up with this, um, and most drummers probably do this, and I don't know if they know this. This is what it's called. It's called a routine called barbecue. It's a feel. Are you familiar with barbecue? Mm-mm. You probably play it a million and a one times when you play drums and don't even know that's what it's called. Now, I'm saying that's what it's called because that's what I call it. I'm not saying there's a book somewhere that says this is what it's called. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's called barbecue. So basically, it's and so you play a group crash right so i had i i so i'm like debbie this yeah see you you have your own see you have your own i have a barbecue i have a at the barbecue which is and most drummers play that completely subconsciously not understanding it's a very distinctive feel yeah that pat that boone and the, yeah, well, they have the pat oh, boone man. and then pat boone debbie yeah, boone. yeah sat boom, recorded a million and one times by great drummers and by horrible drummers but because it's it's such a standard thing i've okay i'll start teaching this five-year-old okay so let's play this groove and we would play like the rolling pads and they had music and i would just say okay barbecue he would play barbecue he struggled a little bit so then i started having them playing earth wind and fire records and his natural instinct would just kick in. By the time he was seven years old, he was playing September with the record, no mistakes. Hmm. So again, it, but it, it, it comes from simplifying things for people and knowing where they are. And a lot of times as teachers and mentors, we are impatient and we should not be if we want someone to develop. Even some of the greatest musicians, painters, artists, you know, record producers, everyone, Someone had to be patient with them at some point. So as mentors and as older guys, we should be a little more patient because there's so much talent out here, but they're lost because you tell them they sound great, but then you kick them in the behind when they overplay. Right. Like I have some friends now that really goes hard on the younger generation. And I always say, well, and they say, well, what do you think? I would say, well, I mean, I like it because I, I, I like the edge of it. I like the rawness of it. But at the same time, yeah, it just kind of needs some some control. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And once people learn control, then you realize I'm overworking. I'm overworking. So let me let me play as a a I always tell the guys that I that I do classes with, it's like you are you are Google Maps. Mm-hmm. You're 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 the information. So when you're playing a groove and there's a, a, a verse getting ready to come up, play something that signifies something is getting ready to change right here. Don't overplay it, but play just enough to play, play barbecue, play at the barbecue, play something that simple that says, okay, we're getting ready to go here. And I believe as drummers, we have that liberty and that responsibility to do that. Some songs, yeah, you just need to play straight through it because it just sounds better. Right. But, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to play stuff that's really melodic. And, and that's how they really learn how to develop melody, like some of the greatest melodic records created are yellow jacket stuff or spirogyra so if you really want to learn melody you know listen to some beethoven listen like i listen to symphony stuff like 
because there's so much emotion and there's so much color in that stuff and it's spontaneous and you don't expect it. And that's right. what music really is. It's very improvisational mm-hmm. and we're losing that. Yeah. And I believe it's, it's making its way back. It's making its way back slowly, but surely. Yeah. Yeah. And who, I mean, there's, who do you think are some of the guys who are pushing that back? Drummers or artists? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 as far as artists, there's so many, there's so many, um, but drummers in this day and age, oh man, this is so like, gosh, of course, the ultimate Ralph, but I'd like, you know what I'd like to see Ralph do? I'd like to see Ralph play other genres. Mm-hmm. See, because men are, drummers are great in their genre, but when you pull them out of their genre to play other stuff, you find out, oh, okay, I got you. So yeah, okay. So you're good at that. Right. Right. You're not good at all of this. And I think as as drummers, we owe it to ourselves to be chameleons. You know, I think they, uh, uh, Vinnie Caluda, when he went to when Vinnie, when he went to play with Faith Hill or even when he went to play with Sting, it was huge. Right. It's like, oh, wow, listen to this. And everybody knew Vinnie as this chop king. And like, he just gonna go even Simon Phillips when he went to play with Toto. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah. And Ricky Lawson with, you know, Stilly Dan and Michael Jackson. And then you have people like Harvey Mason. You go from headhunters to foreplay. This adult jazz, elevator music, you know what I'm saying? Right. Very finesse-like. And then you go to a guy like Greg Bissonette, who plays this crazy rock stuff, and then he goes and plays big band. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah. So... <laughs> That's what we should be. And you very so often, I mean, and I'm, and I say very so often, like five out of seven guys can really play a lot of different genres. Mm -hmm. You have guys that are really good in what they play, but you ask them to go play something else. And it's like, "Mm, that's boring. I know nothing about that. Like I've done everything from country to, to, to waltz, to, (laughs) you know, pop to Southern Baptist, to full gospel, to rock, to acid rock, alternative rock, all these different things, hip hop, jazz, smooth jazz, straight ahead, fusion. We should all just be kind of really informative. And it doesn't take long. All you got to do is listen to the stuff and really develop, you know, because most of the stuff, especially things that are kind of uninformed, like jazz and that really has an open language, Mm-hmm. All you have to really understand is the language. Right. You know, because the information changes based on the moment, especially mm-hmm. when you're playing with players that are okay with improvisation. Right. Now, when you're playing more smooth jazz, it's really more about the melody. It's about the front guy. It's about making the audience pat their foot, feel like dancing with, a, with their mate or things like that. And then when you have straight ahead, it's just like, yo, we don't stop until we're done. And right. that's really all it is. <laughs> you know what I'm right, saying? Right. And then gospel is more formed. It, it has everything to do with section, chorus, bridge, vamp, things like that. And then you have pop, which is really like big feels. Your tones of your drums really say a lot about genres as well. So just the information should just be broad. It just shouldn't be about if you can mimic something, right. you know, because it's hard to mimic a deep snare if you've never played a deep snare especially if you're not playing it on the right song. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like a friend of mine started this snare as your drums craze, Chris Dave. I'm sure you've heard of oh, him. Of course. He's 
completely revolutionized the drummer's mindset of what toms and all that stuff is because his musical mind is so far ahead. He, he sees music in 3D. So he figured, well, I'm going to push some envelope with this and create my own kind of personality. And now everybody can't do anything without having two or three snare drums set up. Right. And it's like, I hate the moment when you hear a guy go to a deep snare and it really doesn't call for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, I get it. You want us to know you have a deep snare, but that wasn't the right time. So I appreciate it's like parroting almost, oh. right? You're yes, like, yes. You're like, well, that person so, did so, it, so I'm going to do it. Or like taking. So I'm exactly. I say exactly that a lot about not guys. the origin. Uh, right. Go ahead. Right. Well, I was just going to say that I see a lot of guys, uh, and I'm, whatever, I'm guilty of it too. Um, you know, like you'll see a Gad thing or you'll see a Vinny thing mm-hmm. or whatever, and you're like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to copy that and I'm going to paste it into right. this song. And like, right. it's probably, <laughs> it probably doesn't fit in this song but i'm gonna yeah, do it anyway it. yeah i'm gonna do it anyway because if they can do it i can do it hey Anything look at you me can do, i can do better <laughs> right and what they don't realize is that just because you can play and he can play does not mean you're thinking the same right and just to and be clear think- i'm not pointing fingers because i do it too to oh no fair. doubt I see, but this is the thing there's a difference here, and this is why I believe all drummers should really know your your identity, have your own identity, because there's a difference between being inspired and being a copycat. Right, right. Because now what one of my close friends have done, Robert Spud C. Right, you familiar with him? What's He has taken, yeah, yeah, he's played with Snarky, has his Mm -hmm. own band, Ghost Knows Now. Yeah, I had him him on the show. Oh, very cool. So he plays his right snare as a deep snare, but he only plays it when he's ready to play snare. Otherwise, it sounds like a tom. Right. So for him, it's like, you don't know what I'm playing over here. And that's where the genius is. When you start figuring out, okay, this is my musical identity. Although this may look like something that I'm copying when I hit it, it's, you're going to be like, wait a minute. that No, it doesn't sound the same. What are you doing? It's like, well, this is my own ID. And a lot of times we as drummers that inspire people, a lot of times they don't give us the chance to be ourselves because they're so busy trying to be us. Like I was heavily influenced by <clears throat> Weckle mm-hmm. when he first hit the scene. It was like, yo, who is this guy playing this eight inch Tom? And and I was playing eight inch Toms before I discovered Weckle. But to see his genius of how he uses his eight inch Tom, it's a little different. He right. uses it as a note. Right. He's not using it as a Tom. So when you hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, he hits him in the right place. Or when he's doing just this big paradiddle feel, you're just like, oh, my God, did you hear that? So being influenced by him and hearing how he interpreted the songs that he played, it's hard to not say, oh, I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm not going to do that. That does nothing for my musical interest. No, you definitely want to do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> You'd be a fool not to. Did you hear that? But at the same time, you have to figure out, does this fit in what I play? Right. And I think that's where the musical identity uh, becomes very important. A lot of people struggle with that. Even yeah, I think it's hard. Day, older guys. Yeah, it's very hard because they don't know who they are. Right. They missed it. And I always, I always say, I think they missed this window of about, I would say about seven or eight years where they had the opportunity to really spend time developing their sound but because they were so busy enamored by everything around them that inspired them 
they just said, okay, well, this is what pays the bills. This is what gets respect. If this is what gets the oohs and the ahs, if this is what people love, this is what I'm going to master. And then when you get in the room and you don't know how to explain what you've mastered, right. you look like an idiot. Yeah. Now people say, hey, you remind me of such and such, and you sound like such and such. The greatest compliment is when someone can say, man, you just you have your own sound. Mm-hmm. You have your very own sound. And of course, we all are inspired by something and someone, and there's nothing wrong with that. But copycatting and, I mean, completely annihilating someone's musical ID as your own and hijacking it, I think is extremely disrespectful mm-hmm. and not cool at all. And I think that we notice, you know, whether subconsciously we notice it or whether we're actually taking notice when you see someone play like you know the first three notes you know it's steve gad you know it's vinnie Calgary, right. you know it's whoever you know and right. like right and you know getting I, I think that's like isn't that everyone's goal isn't that the ultimate goal is to like get there you have to have that yeah it have is your it own is. you know to really it have is. your own sound but again back to your point of the development stage at some point, those same guys standing in that line of wanting their own identity, they realize that the line is too long and they just get out and just go copy. Yeah. Because, yeah. because then you, because you settle in saying, I'd rather work than be a trailblazer. Right, right. So working becomes more precedent than your identity and respect. Because if I work, I can make money. Then the opportunities will come. Maybe I can develop then. But it's like working backwards, yeah. you know, yeah. but but I can appreciate the young kid that sits in his basement and is inspired by Tony Royster and inspired by uh, uh, Gergo and can play all that stuff, but then gets to a session and here's the loop for the first time or here's a click for the first time and does not know what to do with that. Right. There's a lot of good drummers out here who have horrible timing, mm-hmm. but but without music, oh, Jesus, you hear all the, the definition, you hear all the great licks and all this stuff. But you turn some music on where they have to subject themselves to something, then music goes out the window because now they don't understand their role as a musician, not just a drummer, but as a musician. Right. So, like, I hate to go to clinics. You hear my dog playing in the background. No, that's right. <laughs> I hate to hear, I hate to go to clinics and leave not knowing any, not learning anything. Even if it's just, oh, I didn't know that was that, or I didn't know he played that, or whatever. When you go to like these like these conferences that that these drum conferences, Modern Drummer and Pastic and all these places, they're great. They're great venues for entertainment. If you just want to be entertained drum wise, great. But if you really want to learn something, like really spend time with someone intimately find out where they live or do a Skype lesson or do a FaceTime lesson, really have them break stuff down, you know, for you. So you can understand the distinction between you and what you like. And that development stage, it takes time and nobody wants to take the time. Everybody's in a hurry to be great. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to take the time to be great. They don't want they because don't, once patience, you become, man, patience. Yes. Oh my God. I don't. I, and I, I understand because I'm human and I understand the ability to be impatient, but I also understand the liberty in being patient because the developing stage of when you sit down and you play and people go, I love it when you play. Right. That's what you want. Not, Oh yeah, you sound great tonight, man. Good job. <laughs> 
You know, that could just be, I don't want to hurt your feelings and tell you you were horrible. Right. I'd rather hear you were horrible. Here's how you can fix it. <laughs> right. Personally. Right. Because we all need motivation and sometimes motivation hurts. Yeah. When it's wrapped in truth. Yeah. And those are probably the people that are regretting not taking the time to really develop their sound. Mm-hmm. And at some point, of course, we all are playing the same stuff. We're all playing the same rudiments. We're all playing the same fields. But it's the thinking that that distinguishes us. Right. It's the thinking. Like, I know a lot of guys who can play me under the table, but they can never outthink me. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they don't have my brain. Mm-hmm. And I don't have their brain. I probably can't outthink them as well. It's one thing to talk about how great dream symbols are, but it's another thing to actually hear them for yourselves. And the good thing about dream is not only do they sound great, but they're also priced well below the competitor's prices. So that way you can actually afford to buy these symbols. And if you don't think you can get a great sounding symbol at a low price, check out dreamsymbols.com. But first, I want you to take a listen to what these things sound like. To learn more about dream symbols, be sure to check them out at dreamsymbols.com. You may sit in the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. You set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans drum heads with level 360 technology. It'll give you the most consistent fit for every drum with max tunability. And thanks to level 360 technology, these heads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. You can also go way beyond normal tuning ranges with higher highs and lower lows. Learn more about Evans 360 by going to diodario.com. All right, let's talk about the let's talk about groove. Let's talk about groove and developing the groove in pocket. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so what do you know? Everything. Tell me everything you know. <laughs> okay, well, let's 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 break it down. This myth, not a myth, because I believe it, it is a, it's almost like climate change. It's a man-made thing that pocket is a simple walking groove, which is basically, you know, the two and four glorified two and four groove with the hi-hat, where on any tempo, it's just that, you know, no matter what, it's just that. So there's a difference between groove and pocket, because this is my thing. Pocket is something that makes everyone else feel settled in groove is something that people feel mm. does that make sense it makes total sense to me yeah okay so let's 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 put it in even even clearer terms let's say a song like billy jean as as simple of a walking groove that, that as that is the pocket of it is is that it never changes mm-hmm. never changes that's the pocket of it. But there's nothing else around it that's doing anything against it. So it turns it automatically turns into a groove because now it feels good. You feel you want to dance to it and you want to you want to try to moonwalk. You want to do all these things that you think <laughs> Michael Jackson does because it feels good. Like right. it feels good. Right. You know, space was air, you know. Oh man, but but a person will turn around and say to you if you play the ride, you decide to play the ride, or if you decide to play a barbecue feel, oh, pocket, pocket, pocket. Yeah, but you're asking me to play pocket so you can play more music. Right. That's not fair. So what you do is 
you develop a strong groove and the groove starts from the one mm-hmm. grooves normally start from the one pocket usually kind of happens in the interim because it gets chaotic at some point. You know what I'm saying? So somebody you, has to say, go ahead. Well, uh, let me ask you that. So do you, th- are, do you think that pocket is more, is more like a, a technical mechanical thing? It's very, very, very mechanical, very robotic. Very exactly. Okay. But even pocket at some point, but even pocket at some point can feel good based on the music. Right. If it grooves. So the pocket, ha- like if it, if, come on now, now you're getting it. So pocket it, is the, the technical side of it. The groove yes, is the melody musical side of it. And, and the groove makes you pat your foot. Right. The groove makes you want to get up and dance. The groove part of it is the history. The groove part of it is is the music, as you said, the melody. The pocket is you can just play a kick and a snare and play pocket. Right, and be on but if on you, beat and you know like man, and it doesn't and feel good. Every and some people would love that because for them it gives them a little more liberty to play more notes. Right, like I I used to do this gig with this this uh, singer, jazz singer, real like want to do cover jazz covers and all this stuff and in jazz most jazz singers doesn't understand the origin of the us their instrumentation they only care about their own identity in the music mm-hmm. so i would play buzz rolls because most times straight ahead kind of cover jazz is built around nice subtle buzz rolls here and there you know you is one a two a one you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. she would always say why do you keep playing all those buzz rolls you all you play is buzz rolls and it's like well, we're doing jazz <laughs> you're singing so i play them in the parts that you're not singing and it's it's my conversation and my identity that says Okay, I could go one, a two, a dot, 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 do, do, ding, ding, do, do, that. What does that do for music? Right. There's no finesse. Mm-hmm. There's no. There's no dynamics. There's no emotion. Yeah, I could just come in on the down and play just right. Of course. I mean, there's many ways we could do this. But if we're gonna really speak the language, buzz rolls are a part of straight ahead jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you understand, you can't. So you can't be the musician that's just in your own bubble and box. Right. You have to be the musician that understands the identity of everyone else's job in the band, the colorful side of each. Like you're playing with a keyboard player, nine, ten, nine times out of ten, he's either going to have uh, a well, 50-something key or a 60-something key or a 77 key. So in that process, he gets to play the same notes 50 different ways. So you have to honor that and figure out a way to say, okay, well, this is more musical than it is rhythmic. Right. So he may play a lot of jazz and and one stuff versus one. And then you got to consider his right hand wanting to go and come back. So when you're playing and he plays, you hear that after a couple of times, you go, okay, maybe the next couple of times I'm going to catch it. That's what the language is. You don't say, oh, why do you keep doing that? Right. right. Well, why do you keep singing bad notes? Because it's jazz. <laughs> and realistically, it's jazz. And in jazz, there's really no rules. Right. It's the beauty of it. Unless it's it, the beauty of it is the improvisation of it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. there was this jazz thing. I forget her name. She used to sing under the pitch. It was her like it was her her stamp where she was singing under the pitch because her vibrato was so strong. 
she was starting pitch, and then we, but it was so beautiful that you didn't even care because it was her thing. So try correcting her, a jazz legend. Right. Say, well, you do realize you're singing flat, right? <laughs> She'll probably be like, uh, excuse you, what have you done? And who you, are you? You do realize you're fired, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone, don't come back to my show. Don't right. even sit in my show because I don't, you don't get to decide who I am. If I've, if I've decided who I am the last 25 years of your life. So at some point you have to step back and say, Hey, this is their identity. This is who they are. I need to appreciate what this is. So the groove becomes something that makes you smile. It becomes something that makes you want to listen. You ever like, um, been somewhere and you hear some music and like, in the interim of you doing something, you'll just stop doing what you're doing and just listen to the music mm-hmm. I do because you, you start feeling the groove and the mm-hmm. groove is melody as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. So how so do pocket you, pocket is very robotic. How do you, so, you know, the next question is, no, I don't, <laughs> how do you, so how do you develop that? How do you here? Let me, let me rephrase that. How, uh, how do you, one know if you're grooving right because you don't know what you don't know right so how right how are you how do you as a drummer differentiate between pocket and groove and how do you develop that groove awkwardness number one to answer the first question explain the awkwardness of everyone around you that's experiencing your groove if they're if if they're not looking at you and smiling and bobbing their head you're not grooving i like that see don't don't be the tolerable drummer Never be the, the drummer that people tolerate. Right. Be the drummer that people, when you walk in the room, they know for the rest of the night they're going to at least have some fun. Mm-hmm. Because the grooves themselves are going to be really, really warm and inviting, especially when you're, when you're performing like dinner music. Because you don't want to be a distraction. You almost want to just add to the conversation. Um, it's not like elevator music, but it is like, you know, watching something happen in its in its beauty and its formation um you you kind of i don't know i think a lot a lot of stuff is very instinctive you know instinct is something that we can't teach yeah i've had this conversation with some really good musicians and i I try to get them to understand that some instinctive stuff really just needs to come from on-the-job training right you know what i'm saying and i think this is where growing up in church or growing up in any environment where music was the dominance, you know, because although there was not church, there was still band, you know what I'm saying? There was still garage band. I remember a time there was like garage bands were like extremely, like everybody was doing it. That's where, uh, what's, what's the band? Uh, Nirvana came from the garage band. Mm-hmm. That whole generation came from garage bands. So, that was, I believe, that was the white culture's church <clears throat> because most white churches didn't have drums. They didn't have, they, they didn't really focus on music like that. And you had some Southern Baptist churches and some Pentecostal white churches that did, but it was more of a volunteer kind of thing. It was, oh, here, just sit down and play. But in our culture, it was like, no, if you don't play like this, you don't get to play for a month. Right. So, right. you know what I'm saying? I get it, it was like, you get you got punished for not sounding good, yeah. <laughs> you know? And in the white culture, it was, oh, we just thank God for you being able to just play. Thank you. You, you sound great. Because again, their focus was not on music so much. It was really on fellowshipping. Right. Now in the black culture, it was really about the music was really about the start, the service, like the music had to be like this and it had to be energetic and it had to be full of emotion and, 
rhythm and all these things that make people clap, stomp their feet and feel inspired and have hope. Mm-hmm. So it's instinctive, man. Some stuff you really just kind of you're born with it, I believe. Or you go somewhere and you experience something that challenges you to be more t- on top of the discipline part of yourself, of right. your music. Right. And I think in, in a lot of situations, it really comes from just being around music a lot. And you, you can't really get it from listening to records because it, it, as a young person, if, if you don't like listening to music, then you'll never get it. You Almost some young cats just really need to be around music. They need to be around instrumentation to really learn it and see someone else kind of go through. Like I, lo- I love going to open rehearsals sometimes because you get to sit in a de- on a developing stage of a lot of different things, not just music, but the developing stage of someone's playing, their instinct. Um, knowing when to, knowing how to, knowing what to. And I think all of those things are wrapped in instinct, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a catch-22. It's a very strong catch-22. And I think it's really about the person's hunger. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to become a scientist, you don't just, you don't study things that are not science. You do everything that's science and you study it and you go for it and you research and you do everything that's not presented to you on a silver platter, you go after it. Right. So I think that's really where the instinct lies. But yeah, instinct is really something that, um, and I think we are getting, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. What's uh 22, no, I'm 36. Uh, I was going to say, so you're a part of the generation who, who no. instinct is really being developed on the spot. You're my age, you're a little younger. Yeah, I'm 36, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, you're, so you're in the middle. You're in that middle age of, of instinct and theory. You right. know what I'm saying? So. Right. Because I, there was a gen- I I had I was fortunate to to come up with guys that were much older than me. Um, so I came up with like the you know the De Francesco family, like the organ player. Yes, 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 so, yes. So I came up with all of those guys because they were from my town. So I would watch, I would go watch them play all the time. And then I ended up uh, Johnny De Francesco and I cut a record together and put that out and all that. Oh so, wow! But wow! But the stuff, but. What I learned from that was the time that I started playing with those guys was like all of my instinct. I feel like yes. I, I like I yes. feel like I honed my instinct, my yes. instinct with those guys, yes. and it was like, yes. don't play this. I was like, okay, let me put that in the box. Right? You know, it's like, no, what? Do, no, 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 no. Like, what are you? What are you doing? You know, it's like, okay, let me put right. that in the box. You know, like, right? And I remember, right. and a I, lot of times those things weren't don't play that at all it was don't play that right there yeah yeah and, and that's where your instinct has to develop that's the developing stage where you go okay so when you say don't play that do you mean at all and it's okay to ask questions right. like do you mean at all or do you mean no just kind of how we were vibing when you play that right there like i tell i tell my band members sometimes like my bass player sometimes i tell him you're playing something that none of us none of us are playing so you sound like you're you're sticking out like if mm-hmm. you're playing an accent that none of us are playing, you're sticking out. I hate to hear drummers play feels and then hit the cymbal on the two of the next four bars. Right. Like the drummer goes, if nobody's hitting that, why are you hitting that? That doesn't make sense to me. Right. Right. Now, if it's in a improvisational kind of thing and you turn it into a musical thing where it's like, you know, see, everything every, is interpretation, man. Mm-hmm. Everything has to do with interpretation. And if you understand who you are, there's a lot of stuff that you can get away with. 
Because right. people will trust your interpretation when you sit down and play. That's why musical identity is so important. Right. Because somebody, you could get away with some stuff that a guy could never get away with. Never. But because you've developed your sound and yourself, they say, oh, just let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about him. Let him let him do with his thing. Like when I get calls to do records, I, the first thing I ask these producers is, how do you hear it cut? Tell me how you want it cut. And they say, well, man, just do your thing, do your thing. And I say, well, just understand that when I cut this song, I'm going to cut it how it's supposed to be cut. I'm not going to cut it how you think it should be cut. So send me a demo, some keyboard drums, or you can play the drum, of some specific stuff because I'm never going to hear it like you. Right. Never. Mm-hmm. So when you play it and you send it back to them, it's, oh, man, this is great. Uh, but on this one part, can you and I say, nope, because we had this conversation. <laughs> we talked about. You got what you paid for. <laughs> you, and my thing is this. You're not saying I don't like it. You've heard what I did. Now you, you want to produce that. Right. So it's not saying, oh, I don't like that what you did. It's, oh, can you do this? in this area and I always say, well, if you edit, it can be in that area. I mean, because what you're asking me to do now, you're trying to, you're trying to manage me from a distance. And we had this conversation. Now, again, I don't have a problem with going in and fixing it. You know what I'm saying? No problem. But I think people in their minds, they hear you playing it, but they don't hear how you think it. Right. right. You know what I'm saying? And that's always a catch 22. So that whole instinctive thing, man, I mean, you, you really had, Ahead, uh, you like you are way ahead of the game hanging out with those guys because all they hear is music. Man, you know and they, they, it was <laughs> it was baptism by fire, and I got yelled at a lot. Yes. And I got like, <laughs> I mean, seriously, like bad sometimes. Like yes. I've told this story you were before. In church. Yeah, you were in church. I mean, I told this story before, but like, I mean, there was a time we were in the studio one night, and we were just we, we were there late, and we were we were recording and playing, and you know, doing all the stuff. Just kind of like we weren't even recording a record; we were just sort of like messing around and getting some tunes, getting some sounds and stuff. And uh, and we had this talk, and the next day, like Johnny and Glenn Farrakhan, who was another mentor of mine, both called me, and we're like, "Are you are are you cool with what happened last night?" And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, what do you mean? And they were like, like that was that was heavy, you know. Like we laid some stuff on you, and are you? We just wanted to make sure that you're okay. And I'm like, you're you're not in a corner with a, a syringe in your yeah your yeah or yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, no man, you know that was that was the that was probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You know, like yeah. I learned so and much. Guess what in, that says to them about you? It says now we can trust him. We can trust him. He's not going to spaz out right. on a gig if we scream. He yeah. understands the difference between the moment and the relationship. Right. And right. I always tell people it's never personal when it's business. Never. I tell my band now, if I scream in the microphone, I'm not screaming at you. I'm just right. in the moment. Yeah. Like, I know you're better than that. Yep. So I don't see this is not me chastising you. This is me saying, yo, in this moment, this needs to happen. Right. So, yeah, you, you, you officially were in church, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a, I remember one time I was playing with a guitar player and I was young. I was like, you know, 23, something like that. And, uh, and we're playing packed house and he literally takes his guitar off and sets it on the stand and looks at me and points and he's like, all right, man, go ahead. And just stands there. And I'm like, oh, uh, what? And he was like, go ahead, man. He was like, you want to play all those fucking notes? He was like, go ahead. I'll let you play. 
he yes. said he said just he said when he said let me know when you're done and this is like right. in the middle of the show in front of 300 people oh wow and he's like totally Ooh. just embarrassed me in front of everyone everyone and i was just like and then but okay so then i'm curious what was the conversation afterwards uh i went up to him and i said i said dude i i, I was like i'm i'm sorry i was like i didn't i didn't even know what i was like i had no idea that i was overplaying and he was like well there's the first problem and he was like and second of all he was like you were he was like you were chasing my tail you were stepping all over everyone you know he was like He's like, man, you gotta. He's like, you gotta breathe, or you gotta start your own band. <laughs> I said okay, and uh, oh, and he wow. was. I mean, he was pissed at the time, but uh, I ended up. You know, I played with him. You know, many times after that, and we, we, uh, you know, we sort of we uh, cleared it up. You know, and and it was cool after that. But it was, and looking back, like I'm thankful for that. I'm glad that he said that. You know, somebody's got to tell mm-hmm. me. That I'm you know. now. It's glad, I'm glad that he did it. You know, he could have he could have used a little more tact. But again, I agree. He was probably recycling something that someone did for him. So, and I think a lot of times we as older musicians we recycle lessons that we were taught, yeah. thinking that it's gonna land the same way on this generation. Like now, this generation will they'll get up and leave and they'll fight you on stage if that happens. So you right. gotta be willing to accept the discipline in the moment of course and we have to be more more diplomatic and not trying to embarrass like that's freaking embarrassing to just put your guitar and say okay go because now everybody in the room can hear him say okay go ahead you playing it's like wow oh he said it over the microphone oh yeah see see that yeah yeah yeah. i i agree that it probably wasn't it probably wasn't the most tactful thing that he could do yeah and it was kind of it was kind of a dick move but at the same time definitely a dick move point but point taken (laughs) (laughs) yeah point taken i I get it but let's do this if you ever do that again i'm putting you through the wall how about that right okay let's 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 end this right there right i'm not a child you know like yeah 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 but then like i mean i've had other guys you know like johnny d francesco would you know he'd turn around he's like you know his famous the famous thing that he always said that he said to me once that i'll never forget is he turned around he goes how come every time i'm playing a solo you play like fuck like every time I play a solo, you're playing a solo. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, those were his exact words, but like, but he said it to me, you know, right. and he's like, and we were boys by then, but he's just like, dude, like, stop. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> I'm like the kid who keeps like pestering you and it's like, stop, yes, dude, just yes. stop. Yes. I'm like, yes. Okay, like, okay, sorry, leave dad. Leave me alone. And the moment where you say, leave me alone, then it gets quiet in the room and everybody looks at you and goes, oh, you're so mean to him. Yeah. He yeah, just yeah. wants to play. And it's like, oh, so now I'm instantly the bad guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you somebody in that building said, wow, that was that was a bit of a dick move to yeah. the drummer. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure. Okay. Had to. It's funny though. I mean, you know, we we joke about it. Like Johnny and I joke about it all the time now, and like, and we joked about it then. I knew, I, and I know there was a difference. Like he wasn't trying to embarrass me. He was like, he was. We're boys, and he's like, dude, come on, like step it up. Not like, right. I'm gonna embarrass right. you in front of all these people. But right. I learned a lesson right. in both of those. I will say that. So I'm sure, and and I mean, of course, number one is 
play at least 60% less of the stuff that you were playing before because if this guy says something else to me like that again. Oh, for yeah, the rest of the night, I play with one hand. Right. <laughs> right. So like this, is this how you want yeah. it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would have definitely been saying that. <laughs> he said, break it down. I started packing up my drugs. <laughs> right. Oh, I thought you meant stop, like break my stuff down. <laughs> you have to be clear, man. You know, I don't know who you are anymore. After that yeah. spazzing out moment that you had, Jesus. <laughs> you were just in the back drinking beers and laughing. You yeah. come on here and it's just like, who's this stranger on the drums playing yeah. behind me? Yeah. So if we yeah. so let's I want to I, I want to try to uh, I want to put a bow on this and and wrap it up for the listener like what so how man how do I even ask this question I mean it's a loaded question but ask like it. but I mean what what you know what is it that that people need to do really I, you know like what what is it that that people who are listening can take away from this that we can that can get them hired can keep them on the gig can help them make more music can can just help them incru- improve themselves as a player and and really hone their craft well first um be willing to learn remain open because what you what you think is ain't and what you think ain't really is and i think a lot of times we play from a a impressive place versus a expected place we want to impress people that hire us versus playing what they expect Mm-hmm. And when what we don't realize is that playing what they expect gets us called back because right. that is what inspires them. That's what makes them go, okay, yeah, when you play, I enjoy it. And and then like discipline, man, discipline, 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 discipline. Discipline is is not just a robotic like drums for dummy kind of thing. No, it's very discipline has everything to do with again developing your instinct, developing your rudiments. Even if you just play three of them, just play those three the cleanest and the most precise you possibly can in any situation. Because nine times out of 10, all three play other 60 or other 20 or other 30. And we don't even realize half the time that we're playing them because we focus on those three, which is singles, doubles, and paradiddles. Mm -hmm. So in any situation, those three rudiments will be very beneficial to you going around the drum set or just playing just simple fields, simple grooves. Right. Um, as we said, identity, really work on your identity. Um, when you're learning music and you're like, if you're, if you're in a top 40 band, and you're playing, you know, weddings and, and clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Most people want to hear the music, how they lived it, how they hear it, how they enjoyed it. But don't forget to be you. Don't forget to have fun. Don't forget mm-hmm. to, you know, even with your story, like in, in that situation, you didn't realize that you were overplanned because all you knew was is that you got hired. Right. So in your mind, you hired me to play drums, so why are you complaining? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I hired you to play drums behind me, not with me. Right. You know what I'm saying? And just really, and again, that goes back to that instinct. But practice on stuff that is your weakest points. We always get in the room and we practice on licks. We practice on stuff that has nothing to do with us developing. Practice on, as you said, your foot. Practice on hand coordination. If independence is not really a big deal to you right now, okay, practice on independence. Really always stay ahead of your plan. If you stay ahead of your plan, then you'll never be surprised on any gig. Um, And if you want to dig into reading, 
Yeah, get some books. Go take a class. Find someone that can help you decipher through. Because most reading is really just understanding the language. It's, it's not really, you know, when people give you, like when most people give me a drum chart for, like when I did uh, Rita Franklin, mm-hmm. they give each band member their own charts. So, like, they gave me this drum chart. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like, well, you know how to rewrite. And I'm like, yeah, but give me like a keyboard chart. Give me a melody chart. Something that's not quarter notes right here and eighth notes. It's like, that does nothing for me. I right. know the music. Right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, I can't follow what I'm playing. That makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Give me something that I can that I can dig into and anticipate. I'm not anticipating playing something that I'm playing that doesn't work for me. I need to hear, I need to look at something that says, this is coming next. Right. Or this is coming next melodically. That forms my plan. It gives my it makes my, my decisions sixteen bars ahead. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Sure, sure. Um really, really dig into genre. I mean to the point where you can sit down and be the greatest chameleon in its most simple form. You don't have to if it's fusion, learn the interpretation of fusion, not just the feels of fusion. Mm-hmm. If it's country, learn the interpretation of the at 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 the Ringo Star. That Ringo Star groove it surpasses just the Beatles. You know what I'm saying? It really is a strong groove that can be played in any genre. Um, and always listen, always listen to a bunch of music, a bunch of music, even stuff that has no drums in it, even stuff that is not melodic. Like I listen to a lot of Bonnie Vare. I listen to a lot of uh, like Manhattan Transfer. I'm a huge James Taylor fan. And of course, you know, Michael Jackson, Beatles, things like Stevie Wonder and things like that. But I'm really like, I'm like the opposite music of what I don't think I'll ever play. Because if I if I get a solo, somebody decides to walk off the stage and they give me a 10 minute solo. Now I have all of this music to journey through. And Mm -hmm. only me and real fans of that music can understand the journey that I'm taking in my drum solo because I prepared myself information wise my vocabulary is huge because i've listened to a lot of music right i hate to hear drummers repeat stuff that they play thinking that they're playing something more and all you're doing is just repeating stuff you're just repeating the same stuff that you've been playing the last six songs and mm-hmm. really understand like i have this this rule this uh rule that i teach my students it's the three zero three five seven ten rule where everything is played at levels and numbers so from zero to three it's usually intro first verse, first chorus, three to five, usually kind of second verse, uh, bridge maybe, or a repeat of a, of a verse, so you go back to the chorus. Five to seven is usually the bridge, pre-vamp, a repeat of a chorus, and then seven to 10 is you're in a vamp, so it's time to have fun. So think in those regards of how music is structured. So when you think in, in that structure form, then knowing and understanding that most music is eight to 16 bars, you know, for the first day, like most courses of eight to 16 bars. Mm-hmm. And then your plan will be more of a roadmap and it will be just you playing drums. Really, man, my whole thing is really just, I try to get people to really develop who they are, take who you're not and develop who you want to be. Yeah. yeah. And be inspired. Of course, inspiration inspires, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you don't take the time to find out who you can be, then you'll never know who you are. I think that's such you know, an you- empowering thought process too of being of saying like I can be whoever I want to be. I can whoever do whatever I, I want to do. I can want. achieve oh whatever I want to achieve. 
And you can do it. You just got to want to do it. Yeah, Everything put the comes work from in. a desire. Everything comes from a desire. And and even in even when you're working, like don't just like if you want to become this great drummer, don't just do everything drums. Listen mm-hmm. to Oscar Peterson. Listen to Herbie Hancock. Listen to uh, um, um, John Coltrane. Listen to Kenny G. Listen to how they interpret their their melodies. Listen to because so when you sit down and you play you understand how music works. Mm-hmm. It's not just, I'm just a heartbeat. I hate people say, yeah, well, you're just a heart. I'm a heartbeat on the heartbeat. No, you're more than a heartbeat. You're a storyteller. Right. Yep. You're almost like, you're almost like Google Maps. Mm-hmm. Like we get ready to make a right turn right here. We get ready to make a left turn right here. Oh, we get ready to stop right here. Yeah. If, if, if the front person always has to be the person that makes all the calls, then y'all not a band. Yeah. You're just people working for someone. And every person that goes into a situation should go into that situation as a complete entity that you understand yourself. Even, even if you don't even know the music, if you if your instinct understands how music works, you can play any anything and anywhere. Of course, you know, some stuff is very complicated on purpose. But most times, even if it's like a club gig, you're just sitting in music is it's normal, more normal than we think it is. It's just your instinct has to be really like intuitive mm-hmm. very intuitive so yep. and again back to what you said you, you gotta put in the work yeah and people always hear that and they go oh man that means i gotta do 10 20 hour days yeah but if you're doing something that you love it ain't it ain't 10 20 hour days right but, or you don't like have you, to, no, you know what you don't have to but if you, you want to if you want to achieve the things that you want to achieve you <laughs> right. have to you have to. There's no you one that you to. know who has achieved anything great without putting in hard work to do without it. Without putting in the time. Exactly. And 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 this is my other thing to whoever's listening, please stop doing this. Stop broadcasting your development stage on social media. The shed is not see, when you think of a shed, most people don't even have windows in their sheds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Most people don't, you may have a window in the door in the shed or one window on the side. (laughs) Stop broadcasting your developing states because we are living in a world of carbon copy and and copyright infringement. People will take who you are and like I tell my young mentees when they're writing music or when they're doing stuff, they, they go online, Facebook Live, IG, they play these previews and I go, okay, so... If, if, is this something that you're working on? Is this something that is copywritten? Because you do realize that we live in a world of people stealing and ripping off who you are. Stop doing the social media does nothing for your practice time except boost your ego or infuriate you when somebody says you sound like crap. Right, right. So stop broadcasting what you're doing. Develop and and then be somewhere with someone wants to record you because they you sound amazing and all of a sudden they're inspired and they want to record this moment. Right. I, I'm just I'm sick of this narcissistic mentality that has to do with I'm only good if somebody likes my stuff. Because right. I'm the guy that says because I get a lot of, hey, will you listen to this and tell me what you think? And then when I tell them what they don't want to hear, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not the guy on stage going off with the microphone, but I am the guy that's saying, yeah, right here, you need to work on this. And I can tell, I can hear you thinking when you're playing, and I shouldn't be able to hear you thinking while you're playing. I can see your muscles tensing up in your neck and in your forearms. Right. You're thinking right. too hard. Don't think so. If I can see those things, 
then you're not playing yet. Mm-hmm. Playing is not supposed to be, it's never supposed to be work. If right. you're working and sweating out of your clothes, you're not playing. You are working. You're working. Yep. You I are think, working. You know, one thing I do, um, and maybe we don't see eye to eye on this, um, is the is sort of showing your work on social media in terms of saying, hey, listen, th- I'm I'm working on this. And I'm sort of looking for feedback and constructive criticism. And that's different. And, that's right. Different. And, and, and also to say, hey, I'm human and I'm not just going to put my highlight reel on Instagram to for, because I want everyone to think I'm the greatest. I want to sort of show you the process of me creating. Yes. I th- yes. So I think and there's... that is discretion, the, the, the art of discretion. Right. And right. I agree. I do agree. In some instances, it is cool to do that if that is your intent see the right. intent has been corrupt you say like i i don't know if you're on facebook i'm you know but i i, I i'm kind of like a i go hard on some things because i hate the the egomaniac that posts stuff and says excuse the mistakes right so i'm thinking okay now if you say there's mistakes why are you posting this right Right. Because you're not saying, hey, does anyone have any feedback? You're just saying, look at me. Exactly. You're saying exactly. You're not because realistically, there probably aren't any mistakes. I think it's a defense mechanism. Of course, it's 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 the greatest. See me, please stroke my ego ever. But if there's some but if you see something wrong, I realize that, oh, it's not exactly where I want it to be. And I'm actually a little bit better than this. Exactly. And then most times. You're just trying to get me to say, no, man, mistakes. What are you talking well, about? Yeah, it sounds great. great. Yeah. It's like, no, don't do that. If you're looking for that. See, that's why another thing, you got to really know who you are. Because when you know who you are, then validation is not even an issue. Right, right. Validation is not even an option. You don't care about validation. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, if it doesn't sound good to you first, then it's not going to sound good to the world. So mm-hmm. why would you post something that you're saying, excuse the mistakes, it's like, stop saying that because right. it's really probably not even mistakes. You just want some attention. Right. Just post it and yeah. say, enjoy. Yeah. I, I remember enjoy. I posted a video I was working on, like just playing it very, very low volume, just, you know, like as, as, as quietly as possible and put a cell phone up next to next to it and recorded it. And I was like, oh, it's not peaking. But I was like, this is something that I'm working on right now. And, you know, was like. I sort of I forget exactly how I worded it, but it was basically like, you know, this is this is a really beneficial exercise for anyone else out there. And like, this is a lot harder than it seems. And you should try it like it's not where I want it to be. But like, you know, try this out and and try it for yourself. You know, like I I want to hear your feedback sort of thing. You know? Yeah, because I I do a lot of I do a lot of drum challenges on on uh, Facebook. I do like I did this uh, six, eight challenge one time where. When you when if you're at church, like a lot of church drummers like to go live. So I would say, okay, well, if you're going to go live, then let's do a a challenge. If your church does a song in six, eight, you have to play everything in that song in six, eight. Mm -hmm. You can't play anything in three, four, nothing in four, four. You can't even play feels in four, four. A lot of times we play six, eight and we play four, four feels very, very straight laced around the drum set thinking that, nope, everything has to be six, eight. Right. Probably, I probably probably about two hundred people tried it, and maybe like ten understood it. Mm-hmm. And then I did this one challenge where it says, "Don't play the bell on a ballot." I hate when people play the bell of a ride symbol <laughs> on a ballot. It makes no musical sense. Right. So this Sunday, don't play the bell on a ballot. 
you have you have 24 inches of ride symbol and you want to play the bell <laughs> so i had so uh, but again stuff like that right yes. right, right now you're teaching people technique you're teaching them how to develop their thing but if you if i put put up a, a video and go okay i hope you guys like this excuse you know some of the I, it was my first time working the camera or whatever then that automatically makes them have sympathy for me and i don't want sympathy i want you to be like oh i like it or yeah you know it's cool or just don't say anything at all i'm okay with that right but i think this generation is so they're missing a level of validation from their circle Right. That they, right, right, they right. rely on strangers to validate them. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be kind of a catch 22 because people are brutal online. Yeah. You know, they're very brutal. Yes, they and they'll are. tell you if you really want to know. Like, I've heard people, I've seen uh, Eric Moore do demonstrations or clinics, and I love Eric Moore. And he's been playing like this since he was 17. So this is nothing new. Um, and some people would say, oh, he's killing. And then you have some people saying, he sounds horrible you're right he's missing the one he's rushing he's this and as true as it might be it's still it's brutal yeah it's brutal and you can't be upset about that if you're putting yourself out there like that you can't be upset about that you have to take it and i mean he's taking he takes it and try and stride and i believe it helps him get better but there was a time where he didn't yeah i remember a time when i met him when he was a 17 year old kid who was just a loose cannon and we sat in the room and I was like, dude, you got to you got to work on your timing. Yeah, you have to. You're too talented to not understand the distinction of everything that you're playing. The yeah. precision of everything you play will only make more sense to the people that's listening when you master time. It's brutal, man. I mean, like putting your it's stuff out very there brutal. into public in public domain, like even with this podcast, like I got an email one time and the guy was like, it was like, you know, it's the worst podcast I've ever heard and you're a douchebag and this and that. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I was upset. I was like, man, what am I? I was like, and there's like, there's so many people I get, I get emails. I get literally hundreds of emails a week. Right. And they're like, I love your podcast. Thank you so much. Like, I love what you're doing. Blah, 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 blah. Right. I get one bad email and I'm like, I suck. I'm the worst. Right. I'm, like I should quit. Right. You know, it's like, it's such right, a right. public scrutiny. It's, an, is not it's easy. a mental thing. It is a mental thing. And, yeah. and, and I think that's one of the biggest things that cause people to, to skip the eight to 10 years of developing. And they just go, well, just let me, do, I'm going to just go to YouTube and find out what everybody likes. And I'm going to do that. I'll just do that. Right. Right, right, right. Well, don't and do that. Then folks. you forfeit. You forfeit yourself. Yeah. From a musical identity. Again, we are all playing the same stuff at some point. Yep. But if there is no distinction between you and Weckl, you and the guy up the street, then you are forfeiting. Especially when you, if you say you want to be great, you want to be great. I want to be highly respected. I want to do. You better work on your identity. Yeah. Yep. Because if, if the person is saying, well, if you sound like such and such, why don't I go hiring such and such? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, then I'll I hire him. I don't need you. Right. I don't right. need you. Right. I hired you. What do you have to say? Right. And if, if, every, if all your language has been transcribed already, then you have nothing to say. Yeah. I. So th- that's what I would mostly, mainly encourage. And really listen to a lot of drummers who are highly educated. And education maybe not always may mean, you know, a scholastic School, or, right, right, or right. manuscript. Yeah, it could just be the vibe. It could be like Peterson, like Ralph Peterson. And we both talk about this, like he has mastered both sides. Yeah. 
like, and how he breaks stuff down. If you don't get it by the time he's done, shame on you. Right. Like, I've been playing for a long time. I'm five-time Grammy winner. I'm 300 stellars. All all these awards. Um, I've played over 300 records. I've toured the world. And, and when I listen to him, bruh, I feel like a little kid sitting at the floor watching the ultimate drummer play. Right. And, and you're and like, again, ooh, I got a lot of work just, to do. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do because this is the thing. I don't play jazz all the time. Right. But since I am a jazz player and the music that I do play, I can develop all this stuff that he's talking about into this sound, which is why I've been blessed to be able to stick out in the jazz, I mean, the gospel community, because I brought a level of jazz melodicness to drums as it relates to gospel music, mm-hmm. buzz mm-hmm. rows, ride cymbals. And, and that's because of a guy named Joe Smith, who I grew up listening to as a young kid, who his just he personified what drums should be when you're playing gospel music because right. it was all about the music it was never about just playing drums mm-hmm. it was about the music so just to develop man just be yourself be okay with being yourself like you got to be confident with that i love it because there's only one you can't nobody beat you being you mm-hmm. nobody 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 can be you better than you exactly they may be better than you but they can't be you better than you right Yep. You know what I'm saying? That's what I encourage people to do. 100%. But I say, man, to you, thank you for this moment. Thank you for uh, allowing this very transparent and vulnerable moment at the same time, because most people do these interviews very scripted, very uh, politically correct, not wanting to be or seem inadequate in their information or Mm -hmm. seem overly genius in their information where you can just have a conversation about real development and real personality because music is, it's a, it's a personality thing. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. an intense personality thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and we have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that. Yeah. You're not going to always get the gig. Everybody's not going to always like your plan, but out of, out of 10 people, I guarantee you five or six people are going to like your plan. Yeah. And you rock with those people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I and I appreciate the the acknowledgement. This is, I mean, the the podcast has always been about you know being open, being being transparent, being you know being vulnerable, talking about real life things, and and you know how to how to get better, not only as a drummer, but you know just get drummer as a as a human. It just so happens that you're yeah. also, that you're also a drummer, and I I appreciate you not only acknowledging that but i also appreciate you coming on having a conversation having a very candid open transparent conversation with me and continuing to push you know the good word of of drumming forward i do appreciate it well we have mr andre boy to thank for that yes we do we have to give him a shout out yes sir he he allowed this connection and i do not take it lightly and i hope to see you at man my man maybe we can get together and just kind of hang out at a booth and I will definitely the be there. And it'll be good to, to meet you. I'm going to be, I am the uh, artist rep for this new symbol company called sovereign symbol. Okay. Um, and I'm a signature artist as well. Um, I'll be, we'll, we're going to have our own booth. So if you happen to take the lap around there and you see sovereign symbol, man, I'll be there. Well, either we way I'm, I'll and, text you. I'll text you while I'm there so we can hang. So, very cool. Very so, yeah, because you have the number now. So let's yeah. let's let's become friends. Uh, we we How already are. We're just going to deepen the relationship there in person. There you go. There <laughs> you go. Now it's time to have a relationship. Yeah. Well, exactly. brother, I, again, I appreciate it, man. I, I ask God to continue to bless you and 
give you more favor with drummers and interviewers and even beyond just drummers that people will want to interview and interview you at some point because you you got something to say you play with some 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 heavyweights bro that yeah. francisco family ain't they ain't, they're, they're no not jokes. you know the yeah. jenkins family like they're right. like the jacksons <laughs> right yeah they are <laughs> they are the jacksons yep so 100%. you have something to say too i appreciate it man man i appreciate you as well and i look forward to, to seeing you in person brother All right, boy. Have a good one, man. Likewise, you do the same. So there you have it. That's Jeremy Haynes. I hope you dug that. As always, you can get the show notes just by going to drummersresource.com and then forward slash session, whatever number episode you're listening to. So this is episode 354. So you can just go to drummersresource.com forward slash 354 and you can get all the info, all the links and everything that we talk about there. So do that and leave a comment on there. I love getting the comments or hit me up on Instagram, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. I love hearing your feedback. I love hearing what we can do better, what we can, you know, what you're digging, what you're not digging and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, reach out, email me, whatever you got to do. And, uh, until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.